Alright, what is up you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Derek. The last podcast of 2017. Let's fucking get right into it. Um, Alright, so I don't know if you guys have checked out Bright. The um, Netflix movie, Will Smith movie, uh, with orcs and shit. The one that looks extremely... I'll say that it looks odd. And then that may be good, that may be bad. I don't know. Um, I don't have the best, uh, well, I don't have the highest expectations for it, let's just say. Um, but I haven't checked it out yet. But apparently, I don't know if you guys have, if you have, let me know what you think. But we know that Chance got the chance to check it out. And, um, he criticizes it for racism, and, uh, like, making light of racism, I guess, or just a wrong portrayal of it, um, a shallow portrayal, so, I'm gonna read the story off to you guys, Chance the Rapper's criticism of Netflix's Bright sparked a Twitter debate earlier this week, on Tuesday, December 26th, the Chicago rapper asked his Twitter followers for their opinions on the Will Smith-helmed film, then, then shared his thoughts on the underlying messages the movie conveys about race relations. I found the way they tried to illustrate Americans or um, America's racism through the mystical creatures to be a little shallow, he wrote. When a fan commented saying Bright was an exact representation of the social injustices, the social injustices minorities face, Chance continued on to say that films like Bright which discuss racism through symbolic fictional figures, do not capture the entire scope or depth of how bigotry affects real life. Um, so two valid arguments, I guess. I would need to watch it, obviously, to have an opinion, but uh, he goes on, I always, f- I always feel a little cheated when I see allegorical racism, allegorical racism in movies, because that racism usually stems from human emotion or tolerance, but not by law or systems, but not by law or systems the way it is in real life. Uh, Chance explains the characters in Bright live in a timeline where racism is gone because we hate Orc now. Um, Bright received negative reviews by the majority of critics when it debuted last weekend, despite initially being one of the biggest projects from Netflix with the, within the last two years. Uh, the David Ayer-directed film also stars Joel Edgerton with, uh, with Smith as two police officers who live in an alternate universe where humans, orcs, elves, and fairies have been coexisting since the beginning of time. Um, and so Chance, Chance's exact tweets are wondering how you guys are feeling about the lynched orc in Bright Movie. Uh, I found the way they tried to illustrate America's racism through the mythical creatures to be a little shallow. Um, He goes on to say, I always feel a little cheated when I see allegorical racism in movies. That racism usually stems from human emotion or tolerance, but not by law or systems the way it is in real life. The characters in Bright live in a timeline where racism is gone because we hate work now. Uh, I get what he's saying. Um... He continues, I think the idea is that they're, they're a step below bottom of the spectrum blackness, which is why Will's character, the Mexican cop, and the orc have that dialogue in the street. 
which I'm unfamiliar with. I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, and then he finishes by saying, I tried to look at it that way, but a few minutes into the movie, they make Will's character say, fairy lives don't matter. Um, so for this reason alone, I might be checking the movie out. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the gist of it that I'm getting is that it is obviously this, you know, this very fictional setting used to depict or articulate, you know, very racist habits and actions in, in today's America. So it's just completely, it's taking today's America that we think is so progressive or some, something or so is so progressive and then putting it in a setting of fairies and orcs, kind of like a bedtime story, right? Like you get the point across better when it's, I don't know, when it's fictional because you don't have any bias. You're just listening to the story. I don't know. It's hard to say. <clears throat> Conceptually, it sounds like it would be interesting. So that's why I think I'm going to end up checking it out. But um, I don't know. The movie alone, just based off of judging it by a movie and not the concept or the message it's trying to get across, I'm not that excited. But um, if you guys have checked it out, you let me know what you think. And also let me know what you think on the way it portrays racism. Is it, you know, is it doing it justice? Is it, you know, like you get the point of the director, but he didn't quite, you know, the message didn't quite, wasn't articulated in the way that you wish it would have been. Um, you guys let me know if you've seen it. Or if you're even wanting to see it. I don't know. Um, Alright, now next in a little bit of sneaker news. Um, there was recently a mock-up of a... Virgil, you know, off-white, hyper-adapt. And if you guys are unaware, Nike hyper-adapt is Nike's sneaker that I think retails for like 700 And it's the self-lacing sneaker. The first retail self-lacing sneaker, uh, I believe. And this mock-up, and it's, and it's fake. These, these photos were surfacing online sometime last week, and uh, or throughout the week, rather. And, uh, and I thought it looked dope and it got me to thinking, I think that's where, um, where Nike should have Virgil designing next is in product like that. Like I genuinely, I, I don't like the thought of that price tag for sure, but, um, I would like to see what Virgil does with it, the way that he would dissect it and, you know, rethink it, um, but if you guys haven't seen the, the Nike Hyper Adapt model, you should check it out. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a cool concept. Obviously, it's it's very niche. I mean, a $700 price tag, you know. Um, but if they, my point is, you know, once I saw this, not only did I like the mock-up, but I think that, you know, having a designer with so much attention right now work on a product line that is, you know, for the most part, just there, like, it's not, you know, it hasn't, probably hasn't taken off the way Nike would have liked it to, um, but I don't know, they're probably also very limited, you know, with it being such a new sneaker, such new, uh, manufacturing processes that probably go into it, um, but I don't know, it just would make sense to have a designer like Virgil 
on a product like that to bring energy to the product, needed energy to the product. Um, but yeah, if you guys have seen it, let me know your thoughts. I just wanted to briefly go over that because I saw it on, uh, what was it? I think Instagram and, um, and I like the concept. It looked dope, but, uh, and so I almost believed it, especially because now we're seeing, or we saw that, uh, Air Jordan 1 that was supposedly an off-white, it was in, um, it was in a white and off-white colorway, and Virgil recently, um, I think it was on Twitter, he recently commented and shot down those rumors saying that it was fake, which I thought was crazy, um, because I, I was hoping that it was real, because that one, I, I did like that one, I'd probably go with the Chicago first, uh, just because it has that, you know, original, that OG Jordan DNA, you know, rethought in such a way, but, um, I don't know, I wasn't mad at the white and off-white one, uh, but, all right, so, next, getting into tech news, we've got Apple issuing an official apology for allegedly slowing down older iPhones, so it's fascinating, we've saw, we've seen this whole story kind of work itself out over the past, what, week, maybe a little over a week, um, so, the story reads, just moments ago, Apple posted a formal letter apologizing for the faulty performance of older iPhones and their batteries. The tech giant stated they didn't deliberately, in quotes, shorten the life of any Apple product or degrade the user experience to drive customer upgrades. The letter goes into technical detail on how batteries become less effective over time and what software users can download to stop unwanted black screens. More precisely, downloading iOS 10.2.1 will help improve uh, power management during peak workloads, as Apple would say. Uh, in the past week, users have complained that their iPhone 6, iPhone 6 Plus, iPhone 6S, iPhone 6S Plus, and iPhone SE devices were slowing down. There's a lot of fucking devices. Um, to hopefully mitigate battery gate, Apple will offer $29 battery replacements for a year starting late January 2018, describing batteries as consumable components. Normally, it would cost users approximately $79 for a battery swap. There are currently eight lawsuits against Apple for potentially slowing down iPhones, an accusation that isn't exactly wrong since the company itself already admitted to doing so in an official announcement. So, in their official announcement, they did admit they were slowing the phones, but if any of those lawsuits pertain to them deliberately doing it to drive customers to new product, I doubt there will be, you know, I, I doubt they'll find anything, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's such a gray area that Apple can defend itself with that argument of, we're, we're looking out for the best, you know, in our products, and then in turn, for, you know, to form the best experience to our customers, and, um, and going forward, they're just going to be more transparent about that. That's the biggest fuck up here, in my opinion. It's just the lack of transparency. Because if it's true or if it's not, like, just let people know, you know, so that when it's uncovered, it doesn't seem like you have wrong intentions. Um, 
but yeah, you can read the entire apology at Apple's website, and um, yeah, I have not read through the entire uh, apology, but I think it's fascinating, so I'm looking at it now, they break down uh, how batteries age, I'll read the first couple of paragraphs, the first two paragraphs, um, a message to our customers about iPhone batteries and performance. We've been hearing feedback from our customers about the way we handle performance for iPhones with older batteries and how we have communicated that process. We know that some of you feel Apple has let you down. We apologize. There's been a lot of misunderstanding about this issue, so we would like to clarify and let you know about some changes we're making. First and foremost, we have never and would never do anything to intentionally shorten the life of any Apple product or degrade the user experience to drive customer upgrades. Our goal has always been to create products that our customers love and make iPhones last as long as possible. Uh, as long as possible is an important part of that. And then it goes on to, you know, break it down into how batteries age, uh, preventing unexpected shutdowns, recent user feedback, and addressing customer concerns. And the last bit says, uh, at Apple, our customers' trust means everything to us. We will never stop working to earn and maintain it. We are able to do the work we love only because of your faith and support. And we will never forget that or take it for granted. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it was just, I feel like it was, uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel about this shit? I feel like it was just, you know, the story that was in the news cycle. It was intriguing. You know, because we had always speculated that. And naturally, as consumers, and just I feel like as people, we are very skeptical. Especially when there's a large corporation, you know, like the, what, the fucking, the highest valued company in in the history, I believe. Um, so, I mean, it's understandable that you're like, well, yeah, of course you're fucking trying to get us to buy more products. There's some schemey shit going on. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like Apple notices their mistakes. I feel like that letter was crucial. I feel like just having that communication with customers is huge for them, especially being as big as they are, and to reach directly to the customer through that newsletter um, or that post, whatever you call it, and uh, and really just explain the issue to people because it isn't that easily understood. Um and, and which makes it that much easier for people to make assumptions and then add on that it's cool today to make assumptions for a headline or for conversation. And uh, so, yeah, obviously that just feeds into the speculation, uh, usually towards the negative speculation, right? Um, so I don't know. I think that's good on Apple. And uh seems like they learn they just need to be more transparent going forward. Um I don't know, there's really no way to tell what their intentions were. You know, they could have just gotten caught and been like, oh, fuck, get the PR team right now, you know, get them on the phone. And uh, so who's to say? But obviously going forward, now that it has been exposed, I have faith that we won't have an issue with it, at least for a while. So, and then something that everyone knew, like it was a joke, right? That our phones would always slow down around the time of a new iPhone or just a new product release. Um, and now to see some truth behind it is somewhat satisfying, I guess. Uh, 
because it was so speculated on we we already knew so i guess it's just apple you know like like these claims are just reassuring what we already knew but i don't know still uh dope on apple hopefully they learn it seems like they have and uh i guess we'll never know if they were purposely slowing them down um but i have faith i want to believe you know the best of someone i mean i think you guys know that if you listen to an episode or two i usually try and stay pretty optimistic and pretty hopeful so um but we'll see going forward apple still isn't you know like it's i'm still i still have my eye on apple you motherfuckers i know you're up to some shit you can't be worth billions and not be up to some shit um (laughs) but all right staying in tech news uh tesla recently announced the tesla pickup or more specifically elon musk confirmed the tesla pickup and that it's coming soon so per usual elon musk has been one busy man following the recent launch of spacex's los angeles falcon 9 which left many dumbfounded the entrepreneur the entrepreneur took to twitter just yesterday to give some feedback on ways tesla could improve the immediate cry was for an electric pickup truck to which musk promises is on the way after model y um someone had commented saying need an electric pickup truck please and elon responded i promise that we will make a pickup truck right after model y have had the core design engineering elements in my mind for almost five years i'm dying to build it that's fascinating he's had the core design engineering elements in his mind for about almost five years so he's just always thinking about this shit and it makes sense for you to be you know redefining so many markets thinking of so much new you know product that's just so far advanced i guess you just have to have a mind that constantly works like that um that's fucking crazy all right so as you can see the core design and engineering elements have been in my mind for years as he admittedly dying to buy to build a vehicle as autoblog points out the engineer slash inventor teased a tesla pickup back in november when unveiling the company's electric semi-truck, the rendering in turn highlighted a big bed enough to haul a Ford F-150 Super Crew. Now, Musk is saying that the Tesla pickup truck could be slightly larger than an F-150. So someone had asked on Twitter, will it be F-150 class or larger? I'm hoping for a regular family-sized truck. Uh, and Elon responded, similar total size, maybe slightly bigger to account for a really game-changing, I think, feature to add, or feature I'd like to add, um, which I'm fucking fascinated, I wonder what the fuck that is, um, but yeah, so they announced, or Elon, you know, just played around with, and you guys have to check out the photos of this truck, it looks fucking crazy, um, it definitely looks different. I, I love it, but I don't really fuck with trucks just in general. Just, uh, like, I don't know. My preference has always been cars. I like a compact fucking vehicle. I don't need anything extra. My family's been all about trucks. They love that shit. And I've never understood it. I think that, in turn, you know, probably caused me to, like, retaliate and be like, fuck your trucks. I'm, you know, cars for life, bitch. But uh, I don't know. I don't think about it that much, but it's just like, it doesn't make sense to me because I don't, I don't need a truck. Like I literally don't need a truck. So why would I 
own one, but I get it. I get that certain people like, like my mom's all about the safety or that's what she's always said. And then she thinks that we have like the wildest winter storms, which sometimes we do. But for the most part, my fucking Dodge Dart does just fine. And it's a fucking Dodge Dart. So come at me, mom, you know, like fucking chill. If you want a truck, just say you want a truck. You don't got to make excuses. Um, but staying in Tesla news, um, I believe just, this is just covering more of his Q and a on Twitter. So he was asking consumers what they want. And the article reads after asking Tesla users what they would like to see in the future on Twitter, Elon Musk sifted through over 13,000 responses, noting that upcoming upcoming features and upgrades they can expect to see. Um, starting off by cementing his wishes to build an electric pickup truck, the aforementioned electric pickup truck, um, Musk went on to know a second version of Autopilot is in the works, along with upgraded navigation software and enhanced onboard and exterior cameras. Additionally, the unorthodox CEO stated that more luxury elements are to be expected, which will incorporate location alerts for family smart windshield wipers for family wait, so which will incorporate location alerts for family smart windshield wipers and software upgrades. There we go. Uh it's safe to say that Tesla may have the most technologically sophisticated cars at the moment and it seems that elon musk isn't quite done with his electric vehicle project uh stay tuned for more information regarding tesla's future updates and upgrades so i don't know just interesting shit tesla just doing tesla shit redefining what we think is the norm and i fucking love it uh all right so if any of you guys own a tesla like, let me, like, that's what I want, that's what I'm fascinated by, and, uh, just, yeah, I mean, I've wanted it for, I don't know, not that long now, but it's definitely kind of the only car that I want, um, so, if you guys own one, whether it be the, uh, what is it, the X, that's like the compact car, or not compact car, but the SUV model, um, I believe, you guys let me know, you know, whether it's that, or the S model, or the 3, um, let me know how it is, how you guys like it, all that, I'm fascinated by it, I want to own one fucking bad, um, so now, getting into UFO news, or extraterrestrial news, as the conspiracy theorist would like to believe, um, there, so recently, there was that video that was released of, uh, I believe it was just one video, um, of some army footage, I believe, like the U.S., uh, the first official UAP footage from the USG, I don't know, the video is embedded in this article, so I'm reading the headline, but I don't understand any of what that shit's saying, but you guys have likely seen it, it's like a shot in a night vision, you know, in, in like a plane or a fucking jet whatever and uh there's this object that is flying that is emitting a light and it's flying and it just starts to rotate well the big thing here like it's just flying and it's an unidentified object of course 
But the big thing here is it starts to rotate as it's flying forward. So it goes from just completely moving forward to rotating and moving forward, which is not normal movement, at least from my understanding, uh, especially aerial movement. What the fuck? Um, but all right. So there's an article here of a, who was it? A former UFO program head and his thoughts on the video. So as head of the Pent the Pentagon's advanced aviation threat identification program, Luis Eliz what is it Elizondo, Elizondo Luis Elizondo, uh, speaks spent, Jesus Christ Luis Elizondo spent years trying to learn about UFOs. The secret program collected information from members of the military, mostly pilots. When they spotted unidentified flying objects, some of those findings first reported over the weekend by the New York Times and Politico have been released to the public. According to reports, the program began in 2007 and ended in 2012. Elizondo took over the program in 2010. Elizondo tells Monday or <laughs> Elizondo tells Morning Editions Steve Inskeep that Pentagon staff didn't always understand what they saw. Uh, among the mysteries was recently released footage recorded from the cockpit of a U.S. Navy F.A. 18 Super Hornet. In it, the pilot can be the pilots can be heard marveling at an at an object, astonished at its speed and how it seems to rotate inexplicably in the air. Um, it's fucking fascinating. You guys got to check the video out. You guys have likely seen it, but regardless if you're, you know, skeptical or you just think it is other, you know, other countries that, you know, their future tech, which I think is far more likely than extraterrestrial beings, just statistically. But, um, but I don't want to shoot that possibility, that possibility, that possibility down, uh, you know, cause I mean, it's, is it likely? No. Am I hopeful? Yeah. Uh, but I also, I, I think it's a given that, you know, intelligent life exists within not only the universe, but likely within the galaxy, right? Um, all right, so he goes on, are the, who is it, Elizondo says, if you're asking my personal opinion from here, Look, I've got to be honest with you. I don't know where it's from, but we're pretty sure it's not here. Now, does that mean it's out there? Whether or not it's Russian or Chinese inside or little... Whether or not it's Russian or Chinese inside or little green men from Mars or frankly your neighbor's dog. I wanted to uh, purposely steer away from that because I wanted to focus on truly the raw science. What we were seeing... What we what were we seeing, and did it pose a threat to national security? Um, so I get it, having to boil it down to that, and it being somewhat irrelevant what's inside from that standpoint. But uh, fascinating as fuck, nonetheless, and exciting as fuck, man. I love shit like this. I love it because it reminds you that there's like bigger shit going on, and um, reminds you, like I said, I don't think. It's, you know, what, I don't think most people think that it's actually a extraterrestrial. Obviously, it's a UFO just by definition, you know, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful 
that we would be contacted. Do you know the fucking chances, though? And the fucking, like, just the odds, the likelihood that in the, the fucking entire universe, they would come here. You know, just those odds alone. I know they're somewhere out there. And that's fascinating alone in its, like, in its fucking self, man. That there's, like, theory, it could be, in theory, a, a uh, just a alternate universe that is, you know, very similar to ours. Just for context of being able to even comprehend it. Like, say it's just like ours, but they're com- they're elsewhere in the galaxy. They're established. There's, you know, some fucking kid in his room doing a podcast, you know, and just shooting the shit, talking about some unidentified shit that they saw in the air, you know, and just wondering, saying the same shit. Like, I'm skeptical that it is, uh, you know, uh, extraterrestrial. What are the odds? That's fucking fascinating in itself and so exciting to me. And it's it's so likely, you know, we're not alone. That shit is crazy to think. We're not alone. But, I mean, I don't, it's just fucking mind-blowing. I love thinking about this shit and just the perspective that it adds to the everyday life, you know? Um, but what do you guys think it was? I think it's obviously most likely a, you know, as I said, a future tech from, obviously in this case, must be from a different country. Um, but I don't know the least likely thing, you know, Elon recently, uh, touched on this because the SpaceX launch was what, about a week ago now or so. And, uh, people in LA were extremely skeptical. Well, really across the nation were extremely skeptical saying that it was likely, you know, some phenomenon that they were trying to cover up by, you know, like, well, that was one of the more elaborate explanations that I've heard, you know, that it was timed that way. Because Tesla, mind you, they had announced the time, the exact time that they were going to be launching and everything. Um, but conspiracy theorists related that or translated that to, all right, you're telling us a time, so it seems planned. But obviously, that's just a red herring or not a red herring, but just like a misleading trait that you're giving us or detail so that when that shit happens we just assume okay well we know so they obviously they must have knowledge that we don't about whatever it was then if it wasn't a rocket launch i don't know um so they were saying that it could have they they knew what it was it wasn't from earth or whatever the fuck i mean so many theories and it ranged man from people that were claiming it like demi lovato like was fucking on twitter saying some shit about what what the fuck did she say i've seen rockets before and this is not rockets trust me or some wild shit and then she wasn't the only celebrity like there were celebrities just people all over twitter being skeptical as fuck just because it's so fascinating i guess and otherworldly to us um but this shit was huge and one of the more interesting theories that i saw was uh on reddit on the conspiracy r dash conspiracy and to sum it up the dude essentially went through supposedly every 40 years you know an occurrence like this had happened 
where where there was like something across the sky and it was vaguely you know the the similar description was that it was two objects one that separated off of another and so this guy was saying that every 40 years this had happened so 40 years back there had been you know and he posted like headline uh news links and shit and uh and then the twist for me was that I don't know what the fuck it was, if it was, like, a, a, uh, cave drawing, or something, what the fuck was it, I'll just pull it up for you guys, I believe I have it in my saved posts on, um, on Reddit, I mean, the r slash conspiracy thread, it's, it's some fascinating shit, just for, like, provoking thought, I guess, you know, if nothing else, um, alright, so, the headline reads, if you guys want to find it on Reddit, uh, this was too compelling for me not to share about the SpaceX launch on December 22nd, 2017. So, and he has links to all this stuff. So you would have to check it out. There are, head, as I said, headlines, you know, just photos of, of the occurrence in each time period. Um, so the first one reads, this was photographed at Christmas time, 1937, in Vancouver, and reported a UFO incident. And then uh, it has a link to, like I said, the article that more so, you know, recaps it, describes it. Um, Forty years later, in 1977, Petrovazovsk, Russia, it was photographed and also reported as a UFO incident. Um. And, of course, another link. Uh, 40 years later, in 2017, L.A., it was photographed and reported as a SpaceX launch. Um, And then, of course, photos of the launch. And then he says, I'm not sure what to say about this one. It just needs to be included. It's a wall mural from 1350 of the crucifixion. This is the one that gave me chills. Even talking about it now, um, I get chills just because it is... I don't know. It's not that it's so similar, but it is relatively similar. And just for it to be somewhat similar is fucking crazy. Um, yeah, it's just this photo of what is, I guess, the crucifixion. And it's essentially one orb splitting off from another. And uh, I don't know. It's It's obviously up for interpretation. It's a fucking you know, a painting, I believe, um, yeah, a painting from 13 fucking 50, so, but I recommend, I recommend you guys check this out, it's just fun, fun shit to read about, fun shit to, you know, keep your mind open, and, uh, always, it offers an entirely different perspective, which I always appreciate, um, so, with that being said, oh, uh, that's what I was going to get back to. Fuck, so scatterbrained, right? Um, Elon was on Twitter and during this, and he was responding to people, or he had one tweet in specific. Let me find that tweet for you guys. He, he was responding to it and saying something along the lines of, uh, of when you're, when you, when you are presented with an occurrence you choose the least likely option or some shit like that let me see elon musk 
Alright, yes, he says, so strange that people often believe things inversely proportionate to the evidence. Given a set of possible explanations, why pick the extremely unlikely one? And obviously he's saying this in regards to the SpaceX launch. I'm relating that to just how I feel about UFOs in general, though. You know, I think it's the least likely possibility, but I'm hopeful and again, just because it's not likely that they visited us, you have to understand the odds of that shit. If they did visit us, it in itself is a miracle that just two life forms would not only form in the universe, but then also become intelligent enough to then meet. That's fucking crazy. <clears throat> I, I don't know. Um that's that's a miracle in itself so i don't think that's likely i think they're out there just like us or maybe they're in their caveman period or whatever however you want to relate it you know obviously it's going to be some foreign shit that we've never seen or heard about and it's just people are are different life forms are going to develop differently i don't know fucking fascinating to think about though the segment's been one of the dopest this is just, just so interesting to me um but that about wraps it up for Tesla news. Now into, uh, what is it? Black Mirror news. So if you guys haven't checked it out, season four is out now. I believe it's season four um, of Black Mirror on Netflix. You guys are likely aware. But if you're not, it's this fascinating show that is in these, it's, not in episodes, What what is that term, they're not all related, you know, so one episode is essentially one storyline, and um, it's very much like the, uh, the Twilight Zone, I guess, kind of, um, and it depicts different radicals of the future, or just tech in general, very relevant shit to today, with the wormhole, the technological wormhole that we're, like, warping through, uh, and so, I don't know, it's just fascinating, because there have been multiple times that the writers have been somewhat, not even somewhat on point, they've predicted shit, and, uh, and this is obviously just from a creative writing and storytelling standpoint, and this shit is coming to fruition, and so, it's fucking crazy, but, in this, uh, so if you haven't checked it out, please at least check out one episode, um, the, what is it, San, fuck, what is it, San something, um, San Junipero, I think, yeah, something along those lines, that's one episode that I know a lot of people love, the, I've seen that one, the storyline is complex, it's, you know, it has a twist, it's fascinating, um, it's probably the most in-depth storyline that I think, at least in my, in my opinion, um, but all of these, mind you, it's like rating just some of the most amazing shit that you've seen. So just to compare that and say that that's the best, it's literally like the best of the best, like just fascinating, thought-provoking content. And, um, and it is very like sci-fi alternate reality type shit, or not even alternate reality, but like sci-fi-ish um, alternate future type shit, so, uh, Charlie Brooker, I believe one of the writers, um, predicts our next Black Mirror moments, and, uh, he says we've got to work out what our purpose is, 
So, with the Netflix commission season 3 having made waves back at the end of 2016, and the announcement of season 4's imminent December 29th arrival, which is here now, bitches, so go check it out, um, show creator and sometimes oracle Charlie Brooker has taken the opportunity to discuss what may be the next possible Black Mirror moments. Um, speaking to Wired, Brooker ruminates, amongst other things, on the possibility of emotional machines, personal space travel, and the sharing economy. Take a look at some of the highlights of Brooker's typically insightful interview below. Uh, so, on emotional machines, he says, I suspect that in the near future we'll have sentient packaging that will say, Hello, I'm a carton of milk. Don't throw me away. Or, it will be like hell with all these people with all these people you don't want to deal with i'll end up having to go to the fridge wearing a pair of fucking headphones because i don't want to get into a conversation with a yogurt pot um fascinating like take right uh i would like to hear him elaborate on that i need to read the whole wired episode or the whole wired episode the whole wired uh interview or article i believe i have it in my in my um what the fuck is it just reading list or whatever but as you guys probably you know can relate to that shit just becomes all of the things that i intend to get to but never have um so but this is one that i need to read and i recommend you guys check out as well if that interests you uh he goes on to speak on artificial intelligence and says it looks like we're going to have to rethink our position in the world over the next four decades or so as we begin to seed more and more control to automation and computers we've got to work out what our purpose is and if we've got an ai that thinks it knows better than us uh better than us what we should be doing maybe we should start listening to it uh so again the full interview is on wired i'll post it on twitter so you guys can check that shit out um i've been trying to get better at reposting and posting shit that interests me so that you guys can check it out or get a feel for what I'm looking at or what inspires me. Um, and then hopefully pass on that inspiration to you. But um, I don't know. That's a fascinating thought just to just to think on. And I've thought about it in the past. Just the possibility of, you know, AI and robot life. And hear me out here, maybe that is our evolution. Maybe we are, who is it? Some some scientist, I believe, uh, is it Chris Ryan? That some scientist uh, that's that I know through Rogan, and uh, he mentioned that humans are the sex or organs of robots. And that concept alone, just that line, you know, just, just think on it. And I think that's really where this spawned from. Thinking on the concept of us possibly needing to come to grips with the reality that that's our evolution. Maybe our whole purpose is to create that, you know, to create that AI, to create that next, maybe like, if that's what if that's our evolution? That's the next form of us, or essentially we're just here to then create that and then die off. Like, I don't know. It's fucking fascinating to think, you know, if that's been our purpose all along. 
uh, or if that's, I don't know, man, it's just some fucking far out thinking, or just a far out concept that came from really just focusing on that concept of us being the sex organs of robots, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, think about it, though, what if that's our purpose, to just create intelligent life, or intelligent life, AI, and then to not die off, necessarily, but, because it's, it's not likely that, you know, that would obviously, it's not likely that there would be a point of conflict where we would end up being taken out, and, you know, and uh, just completely wiped off the earth, but I think more likely than that is uh, us coexisting, right, and then us just some being, being the ancestors, essentially, and, uh, and I don't know, and then that, that being what supersedes us, that being our evolved form, um, I don't know, I mean, it just, just some shit that I've been thinking of, well, this is really a pretty old thought that I've had, um, but I don't know, it's fascinating to think on, you guys let me know, I don't know, some interesting shit, but all right, now to get into the sneaker, not recap, the sneaker upcoming releases, and uh, and there are very few this week, so that's good, If uh, you, again, let me know if you guys like this segment, I don't know if it necessarily translates the best to the audio format, but I feel like it's cool to hear people's opinions on sneakers that you may have been maybe not even wanting to cop, but maybe you've just been thinking about, like, you've just seen the sneaker and wondered what other people thought, right? Um, just a different perspective, I guess. All right, so starting on, what, 12, 29 today, um, the Nike Kyrie 4 Confetti. Uh, it's a purple Kyrie. Nothing crazy. I mean, if those are your colors or you want to stand out on the court, I I feel you. It's 120, which I feel like is reasonable for a signature snoo for for a signature snoo, huh? For a fucking signature snoo. Um, all right, and then 1231, the Under Armour Curry Four Low, nothing but nets. Um, it's just an all red. It looks like yeah, just like a sock sneaker. Um, I don't know. I wonder how these play. They're very low profile and don't look like they have much securing the upper, but I don't know. It's, it's a very, this is the first time I've seen the silhouette, a low ass, uh, a low ass curry that is just like an all knitted upper. It's all red, um, red, red fucking shoes, man. I feel like that shit's been done. And I'm not really one for trends or to be like, oh, well, that trend is dead. Like, I feel like you're one fit away from, you know, changing people's minds all the time. And I guess that applies in theory to the red shoes as well. It's just with so much fucking oversaturation, you know, and it's been worn with fucking everything. So I don't know. Uh, Just red fucking shoes. I'm over it. Um, so another all red shoe again, 120 for a signature basketball sneaker, not bad. 
Alright, now getting into... What is this? I hate when they do this. They have a fucking two dates. Um, I think one's a rumored release date and one's the initial rumored release date. I don't fucking know. Um, but it's here, so I'm going to talk about it. The Nike Zoom Vapor Street Flyknit. Um, I don't know, guys. I, I like, again, I've seen this model in the past. I've talked about it in the past. I like the big swoosh and I like that it goes onto the outsole. Um, that's a unique design trait that I, I fuck with on this model. But other than that, it's just a very low profile running silhouette. I mean, with a bulky, a bulky outsole, but it's a streamlined bulky outsole. So I don't know. It's not bad. 200 is kind of crazy. Uh, but I get it. It has a distinct look. Um, so if that's your thing, it's an all red colorway. Well, mostly mostly red with a black swoosh and a grayish outsole um not terrible but there could be better colorways and there will be likely um all right also on twelve thirty, the kith and nike lebron 15 performance this is the model that is a light pinkish like a, a white and pink mix with rose gold uh detailing uh, so, with, so with this one, I like the color of the upper. Um, I feel like in person, obviously, it's going to be more dialed down than in Kith's photos. The infamous Kith filter, I feel, is like in full effect on this pair. Um, but I think that the in hand, the color of like the milky pink color of this sneaker is going to be fire, more fire than the photos that make it look like it's this fucking blast of color, right? Um, unlike the likes of which you've ever seen. But I also really fuck with the rose gold detailing. Um, on the back swoosh in specific, it just looks fucking gorgeous with that like fragmented swoosh design. Um, and then on the aglets, you know, gorgeous, just a nice subtle detail. And then the zipper, I'm still undecided on the zipper up the, up the fucking sneaker. I like the possibility that it allows like the, the flexibility, I guess, in design where you can wear it multiple ways, partially zipped, partially unzipped rather. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm torn on the zipper design. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. And it's making me, you know, sit here and think about the silhouette, which in itself I appreciate, um, with any design detail, but the standout feature, if you guys have not seen photos, Ronnie posted, and Ronnie touched on this, a whited out air bubble, a entirely white air bubble, now, if you guys fucking remember, what, maybe a month back, when we first saw the leaked photos of the, uh, what is it, or I don't even I don't even think we saw the leaked photos of the white Vapor Max yet. The one that's out now, the white Vapor Max with the icy blue outsole. I don't think we had even seen that yet. I think it was just spawned by talking about the all black, you know, the all black colorway of the Vapor Max, or maybe just talking about the Vapor Max in general. I don't fucking know. My memory is shit, as you can tell. But I remember talking about it. And I remember saying that if we got a all-white Vapor Max with an all-white air bubble, 
That's it. That's all I fucking need. And I feel like, hopefully, fingers fucking crossed, this is a step in that direction. Hopefully, we'll see more whited out air bubbles. Um, I don't know if this was purely a design choice by Ronnie or it was Nike kind of being like, hey, we have this new, you know, feature, this design feature that we're going to be implementing. If you want to implement it on a design, on a collaborate, on a collaboration design, you know, it's kind of a dope introduction for the new design detail. And so hopefully it's a sign of things to come and we get that, uh, that ultimate white Air Max. I've been tempted at this icy blue white Air Max, the uh, white Air Max, the Vapor Max. This white one with the icy blue out. So I've been tempted, guys. I've been fucking tempted. But I'm going to hold out. At least wait for sales. Um, But I'm hopeful. I've got my fingers fucking crossed. And I'm hoping that this is a sign of things to come. This a sign of things to come. A whited out air bubble fucking looks gorgeous. Um, So I fuck with this. I think this is the best colorway of the LeBron 15 yet. Uh, that burgundy colorway a week ago is is close, but I feel like this edges it out. Um, I get that pink isn't everyone's thing, so if you can flex it, I mean, I think all the details come together perfectly. It's gorgeous. Uh, the milky white outsole, uh, you know, uh, fucking dope. Ronnie did his thing. Um, just on this one, though. Mind you, just on this one. Uh, so that retails for 200 if you guys get a chance and you're able to pick it up, uh, I, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Any Kith product, any Ronnie product, I feel like is, is for the most part tough. But that specific colorway uh, or that colorway in specific, I feel like will be tough. Um, all right. Now, next, the Kith Nike LeBron 15 Lifestyle Stained Glass. I like the inspiration for the collaboration. You know, Ronnie posted... I don't know if it was in an article on Twitter or on Twitter, but uh, he posted like inspiration, like just photos that inspired the collaboration. And in that, given that context of a stained glass window, it makes me like the shoe a little bit more. But the sock upper with the straps just don't fucking do it for me, man. I don't know what it is. Maybe if they were like fabric straps instead of these plasticky straps, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they are fabric straps. I'm just, I don't really care for this silhouette. I like that Ronnie took a chance and I can appreciate that. But the long live, the king shit on the straps is just too much entirely for me. Um, the colorway isn't terrible though. So if that's your thing, retails for 225. I like the, the positive takeaway. I like that Ronnie did something new. Um, all right, now the third colorway in the collaboration the kith nike lebron 15 lifestyle concrete uh this one is easily the worst in the pack for me um i don't know the black strap seems like it would add be that design detail that would make me like it but it has a speckled upper like a uh what is it like an oreo speckled upper on the knit and then an all black outsole midsole and then black straps um the black straps make the strap design tolerable, but I don't like the way that it sits on that Oreo speckling. I don't know, man. I just don't fuck with this colorway. I don't really care too much for the sneaker model, but uh, this colorway in specific, 
I don't fuck with. Um, again, for 225 So if that's your thing, though, I get it. Support Ronnie. Support all that shit. Uh, I like that he took a chance. That That's my kind of like the, uh, the closing thoughts on that collaboration. I understand it's not going to be for everyone. It is a radical design. That's common with radical designs. They're not going to be for everyone. So I get it. Um, but if that's your thing, best of luck. Uh, all right, now getting into January. January 1st, the Nike Air More Money Japanese Yen. So if you guys have seen this currency pack, the uh, there's one in specific that I fuck with heavy, and that is the British Pound. And uh, it's just like this off-white with like light teal detailing and black features. I don't know. It's fucking gorgeous, though. Um, this one's uh, a second. But really, that's the only one that I want in the back. I like the technical aesthetic of the, the upper and the bulky outsole of the Air More Up Tempo that they use. Um, so I fuck with this pack. That that pound colorway in specific, this isn't bad, though. And for 160 I feel like my only question is, will it go on sale? Because I feel like it's a cop. Um, it's a copable shoe for sure. But like I said, I'm only I'm only interested in the pound. It's a copable shoe. I wonder if it's going if it would go on sale though, because I would tell you guys to wait and just save some money, because um, the market's so you know in flux now that it's hard to it's hard to tell. But uh, I would I would if I had to make a bet I would say that's gonna sell. So I recommend if you guys are into that Japanese yen colorway, which is not a bad colorway at all, uh, cop it. All right, and then on the first as well. The Adidas Ultra Boost 4.0 Triple Black. Um, Adidas and their fucking black shoes, their white shoes, um, and just new knits, reinvented knits. I can appreciate the concept of reinventing something or improving on it through reinventing it, right? Or re, uh, just rethinking the design. But uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, if you didn't get a chance to cop a triple black ultra boost before here's your chance now uh the knits somewhat vary from my understanding not only in fit but also in stretch and just foot fill so uh i would recommend looking up a review online i know teddy uh teddy like boost god does his thing online uh obviously and specifically regarding the boost and adidas product so uh, check out that. I'm sure he has a, you know, a video where he goes in detail on the new knit on the 4.0. Um, but yeah, 200, another all black fucking ultra boost, man. Uh, doesn't interest me, but I get it. You're going to get another chance to copy if you haven't in the past. Um, all right. Now, also on the fourth, I believe that was on the fourth, right? No, that was on the first. So now going to the fourth. The Nike Air Zoom Fly SP in a, what is it, translucent white, yellow, and orange colorway. Or not yellow, what the fuck. A purple and orange colorway. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the hit of the orange. The purple isn't, isn't doing it for me. Um, but if it's your guys' thing, it's 150. It's a newer silhouette that I fuck with. Uh, I like the huge swoosh. And the design flows well. It's like a reinvented racer. In my opinion, it has that sharp silhouette. 
Um, I don't know. For 150, it's not bad. It will likely go on sale. I feel like um, the colorway isn't anything special in my opinion. All right, now to still on the fourth, the Nike Air Vapor Max Utility Triple Black. So this is releasing on the fourth for 225. This sneaker is fucking gorgeous. This is probably a cop for me. I just like the technical silhouette and the bulky Vapor Max. You know, I like seeing the bulky technical silhouette on the Vapor Max. Um, I don't know. Someone mentioned in the comments, so I believe it was on Hypebeast, that, you know, they thought the entire concept of the Vapor Max sole unit was to eliminate a midsole. And it was introduced that way. So they're not wrong, but this one has a midsole. I think that it caters to the chunky design, the the chunky like utilitarian design of the silhouette. So I fuck with it here. But um I don't know guys. This this shoe is fucking gorgeous. And for an all black sneaker, I hope they do more uh with the just with this model in general you know, more colorways, I would like to see what they do, but this, this is gorgeous, it kind of bothers me, because it's not the, it's the smoky black outsole, and I prefer the all black outsole, but gorgeous nonetheless, um, so that is on the fourth, I'm likely gonna cop that, I just wonder if it'll go on sale, I don't feel like it will, but I don't know, it depends on the numbers, entirely on the numbers, I mean, with anything, it depends on the numbers, but that, uh, that silhouette in specific because it's in this weird region where i feel like people fuck with it but how much do they fuck with it you know um so we'll see uh but dope shit dope shit from nike all right now also on the fourth the adidas nmd r1 stlt it's just a uh i don't know another nmd guys with the fucking black detailing grayish detailing uh, a zebra type upper nothing nothing special in my opinion um and then also releasing alongside it is a another colorway of the same silhouette the adidas nmd r1s stlt in the core black colorway uh this is mainly black with like gray detailing like gray striping with red speckled in i don't know nothing nothing special at all in my opinion pretty dull pretty boring um, all right, but that concludes the releases, the upcoming sneaker releases. Uh, you guys let me know if you're going to cop anything. That utility, man, I'm telling you. Uh, and the Air More Money Japanese Yen, I get it. That colorway is gorgeous as well. Um, but that pound is fucking, f fucking phenomenal. Um, all right, so now getting into our last end of the year segment. So if you guys are... Uh, with the last episode, I did a bit of a more serious uh, countdown, and that was, of course, the top sneakers of the year, and um, and as I mentioned, I would start with kind of the bullshit categories, you know, the bullshit topics, and just because I felt like that was fun to do, um, it was definitely fun for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this series, uh, but now staying within that somewhat serious vein uh this end of the year segment is the top albums of 2017 so i only have seven 
which I know is random, but I figured, fuck it. Um, why not, you know? Why not, Seven? Um, I just didn't want to add on anything extra. I mean, these were... I don't know. I felt like Seven was a good number, a random-ass number, really. But um, I don't know. All right, so starting at number seven it was difficult as fuck mind you to to rank these as well so just i mean i know it's not easy for anyone but yeah it was fucking difficult um all right so number seven is forever is a mighty long time by big crit i just um i'm a huge fan of crit obviously you know i echo the sentiment that i think he is mad slept on one of the most slept on artists in hip-hop in music and well i don't want to say in music in general that's super broad but um yeah certainly in hip-hop certainly in rap i mean he does his thing consistently uh coming out with just insanely introspective music a dope lyricist i mean fuck man big crit forever is a mighty long time i don't know what else to say i just i fucking love the album you know, huge fan of Crit, and this is just more of what Crit does, um, all right, so number six, kind of low on the list compared to, you know, what you would probably speculate from how much I talked about it, but coming in at number six is No Dope on Sundays by Sci High the Prince, with this list, it was crucial that I go off of, at least crucial to me, that I go off of how much I actually listen to the album, you know, how many plays it actually got, and that was a huge factor in knocking this album down a couple notches, because I feel like ultimately, you can be a huge fan of a song, but that's what's really telling, is how many times you've listened to that song or that album, you get what I mean, and so I feel like that's a more true ranking, um, and just more telling of what appealed to your ear. And uh, so when you're splitting hairs and it comes down to just seven albums, BSI High ended up getting the number six spot. Um, dope ass album. We've been waiting for fucking ever for this shit. And hopefully there's just more to come. I know in interviews I've talked about it. He's teased it that there's another album on the way. But mind you, he teased this album for fucking five seven years or some shit so who's really to tell but hopefully my my biggest hope is that the response that this album is getting from fans will push him and push his label and push yay if yay has a huge part in it to then release another project or just make sure that we get more sci high um because he's a phenomenal artist i don't think he's slapped on like crit I think he just has a very underground following and uh and he doesn't make really radio music so obviously he's not he, he's just a rapper's rapper I feel like very much like Pusha T and um so I don't know fucking phenomenal album no dope on Sundays check it out if you guys have not Psy High is uh one of the best lyricists out and you know hands down that's that's not a question to me all right, now number five. Um, this was a bit low for the album for me. Um, Flower Boy by Tyler, the creator. It's a bit low on the list. Number five out of seven. But again, you know, when I was 
really getting into, you know, I, I obviously narrowed it down to the albums that I really fucked with, and I got that number seven. And so I was like, all right, we can roll with that. And then I figured, all right, now I have to sequence them or rank them, rather, you know? And as difficult as that is, I feel like a huge factor is what did you actually listen to? And so that's what placed this at number five. I love the album. Obviously, one of my favorites of the year. Um, phenomenal work from Tyler. He said that his next album is going to be pop, and I could not be more excited. Um, Tyler is proving to be one of the most inventive artists, in my opinion, of our time, at least in hip hop, certainly, you know, uh, arguably within our time. And uh, just in that he's developed so much and such a refined sound. It's not like he's half-assing this new sound. It's that it's developing and we're watching it. And he has it. And I think it's largely being this development process. This continued development process is largely being led by just his childlike desire to create and specifically create music. Um, so I'm excited for anything that Tyler puts out. This was no different. This was phenomenal for me. Certainly one of the top Tyler albums. Um, just amazing sonically. Uh, but again, son I think sonically also with it being so bright and colorful and uh, just different from what I typically listen to. I think it, for that reason, got fewer plays. Um, but that doesn't mean that I love it any less. Just if I had to rank it, it falls at number five. So, number four, Amine, Good For You, or Good For You by Amine. Um, I know there were some songs on here that were a bit lackluster. I know. But as far as replaying it, I found myself going to it a lot. Just because I like the happy sonics of it. Well, I can't say happy sonics. That's kind of just why I said that I ranked Tyler lower, right? Um, for whatever reason, I did play this album more than Flower Boy, but also Amine touches on a interesting dynamic that is this very, I guess, bipolar dynamic, like sonically is how I would describe it, because some songs are so upbeat and carefree and just happy feeling. But then other songs, and some of my favorite songs on the album, are very down and just introspective. And I don't know. I just really am excited by what Amine brings to the table, um, just as an artist as a whole. And, uh, and you know, he's, this, he's proving to be this zany, you know, crazy character, uh, very expressive. And I love that. So... I don't know, guys. I just really fucked with this album. I don't know what else to tell you. It just made me happy. So, number four, Amine, good for you. Uh, all right, number three, getting into the top three. Holy shit. Um, More Life by Drake. So, for very much the same reasons, maybe it's just a sonic sound that I was attracted to. Because this, again, I would describe as a very... 
not necessarily bipolar, but just that it did have those two elements throughout the track list of of being this this very upbeat, you know, somewhat experimental or not experimental, but experimental for Drake. Um, this somewhat upbeat island vibe. Uh and then also touching on you know the georgia interlude being one of my favorite tracks on the album um and then others like it this very i mean do not disturb being one of the best fucking closers um on on a drake album just that snow allegra sample made me go and check out snow allegra any drake outro though so that's really not touching too much on the album um any drake outro is phenomenal usually at least in my opinion um but i don't know guys i I really fucked with the vibes how it was just all over the place and i like that aspect of you know if that's what made it a quote-unquote playlist i fucked with it and i want to see more you know of this just developing sound this story that the the sound tells um throughout the length of the project it goes from being upbeat to a more sad introspective sound and more, you know, just a, just sad sonics. And then getting back into a happy feeling sound or, or like a very aggressive sound. Um, I don't know. And the way that those bridge together, this very happy, upbeat, but then this very melancholy sound, just the way that it... it mended on this album i really fucked with it it's it's one of the albums i returned to the most and uh an album of drake's that i get that in the in the caliber of drake it doesn't i get how people say that it doesn't rank that highly but um i don't know i fuck with it i fuck with it what else can i say just sonically it it was so appealing to me and I went, I returned to it time and time again. It's one that, it's a, it never fails. Like, I'll just throw on, if I throw on a random album, at any given time, I throw on more life, I'm fucking with it. And I'm playing it straight through. No, no skipping, you know? Um, so, number three, More Life by Drake. All right, now, number two, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. Um... I don't know, guys. This album is fucking phenomenal. Um, Kendrick, it just him exploring different sounds is amazing because it's not like he's going to the sounds. He's finding them within himself and then applying himself to the sound, if that makes sense. So he's not looking at others for reference on how to approach a popular sound or, you know, in, in quotes, a, a pop sound by definition. Um, instead, he is doing it on his terms, in my opinion. And uh, and some of Kendrick's best fucking work. Now, this, this album is number two just because I, I love it or, or I understand it as being a great album. And I also understand that I, well, I feel like I will return to it more and appreciate it more in the future. 
So this will take time to develop for me. I know that the value is there, though. It's apparent. It's throughout the fucking album. Um, That fucking outro. Or, or outro. I don't even know if you call it an outro. Duckworth. One of the best storytelling songs in hip-hop. And uh, one of Kendrick's best songs ever. So... I don't know. I, I just feel like I'll return to the album in the future and appreciate it even more than I do now. But love, I mean, some of the, some of the standout tracks, fucking love, uh, obviously DNA, um, XXX. Uh, what are you, with a fucking YouTube collaboration? Fucking phenomenal, man. Um, just to pull that off alone and make it so dope. Uh, and then, fuck, man. I mean, what other song? God. I know most people don't fuck with the God, like like that song in general on, on the album. I just like it. It feels playful and happy. And uh, it's a very carefree song. I really fuck with it. And then, of course, Duckworth, you know, being one of the best hip-hop or one of the best storytelling tracks in hip-hop history, in my opinion, and uh and of course as i said one of kendrick's best tracks in ever and uh and for that to be one of kendrick's best tracks kendrick's got to be you know doing something fucking special and uh yeah so you know i'm excited for the way this album will grow on me especially already knowing the value that it presents to me so um with that being said damn at number 2 number 1 Serena by Coltrane. Kind of crazy for a new artist. Um, this largely got to the top by just being my most listened to. And I feel like that's very telling. And it's more telling than what you want to be the number one, right? Because it's very easy for me to say damn is the number one because most people make it the number one. And to say that a new artist, you know, uh, with a, a, you know, one of his first albums is your number one is kind of crazy over Kendrick but again I, I don't think that like that offers a very true perspective in my opinion just just by what you listen to the most and that's what got this album there uh just again very reminiscent of early Drake but in his own way I don't feel like it's Coltrane copying Drake I feel like it's Coltrane doing his own thing, but developing on that older Drake sound, that yeah, that kind of poppy, uh, melancholy, sad-sounding music. I don't know. I just really fuck with the album. Uh, two of my favorite songs of the year, and just in recent memory, being Penelope and uh, Malibu. What is it? Malibu Sleep. I believe um so yeah guys number one fucking serena by coltrane if you haven't checked it out please go check it out i understand if it's not going to be for everyone i returned to it most in the year though and sonically it was just something that was very on point with how i felt throughout the year i guess um and it's just what I kept going to. 
and I love the fucking, you know, the album sonically, uh, lyrically, lyrically, it's nothing insane, but melody wise, um, I don't know, lyrically, it's different, it's not doing more of the same, it's not bland, let, you know, let this be clear about that, it's not bland lyrically, um, but I'm just saying, it's not anything crazy lyrically, uh, but I don't know, guys, Coltrane is looking very promising to me, obviously, uh, going into 2018, I hope to hear more from him, I hope to hear more from all of these fucking artists, whether it be what is next for Amine, whether it be Tyler's pop album, whether it be, um, let's see, that, that collaborative crit album that's rumored, that has some TI involvement, some rumored TI involvement, um, or of course, anything that Kendrick has anything to do with, I mean, I'm excited, guys, music is fucking phenomenal right now, fucking beautiful, uh, honorable mention is, uh, fucking XO, what is it, XO, what the fuck was Lil Uzi Vert's album, Love Is Rage 2, why the fuck was I thinking XO, um, probably because of XO Tour Life, um, but Love Is Rage 2 by Lil Uzi, I liked it sonically, but I was expecting more of what I heard on XO Tour Life, and that didn't really give me that in the way that I wanted, um, but I have, I have hope, obviously, for, you know, going forward for Lil Uzi Vert, um, and I feel like he'll only continue to make music that I increasingly enjoy and love, so, EXO Tour Life being one of my favorite tracks, if not my favorite song of 2017, um, so yeah, that had to get the honorable mention, and just entirely with what he's doing with his rock star aesthetic, and, uh, just his experimental image and sound, um, I don't know, I, I really fucking love it, I, I like seeing what he's doing, and, uh, I'm excited to see more of that in 2018, where he goes, um, but that concludes the end of the year segments as a whole, I hope you guys enjoyed those segments, um, let me know what your top albums were, top five, fuck a ten, just give me a top five, what were your top five albums of 2017, um, and while on the topic, you guys should go check out the playlist, it is live currently, and, um, switched it up a bit on this, it's still sequenced, at least to, to the best of my ability, or to the best of, you know, my ear, um, I feel like it was decently sequenced, and, uh, it, it's the top 25 of 2017, so just the top 25, not, and, and let's be clear, not the top 25 best songs ever, you know, are created in 2017 whatever right the best songs to me in 2017 um just songs that I returned to and songs that just resonated and um and of course it resulted in one of my favorite playlists uh that I've made you know just with so much music that I love on it obviously um well purely music that I love on it and, uh, yeah, so, and if you guys are interested in what I fucked with in 2017, go check that out. I kind of like switching it up for one week, and, um, maybe I'll 
have more overall concepts going forward for for uh playlists maybe not it just introduces the concept so um with this one in general though it's very fitting i mean end of the year um so yeah go and check that album or that album that fucking playlist out mind you on it's the top 25 of 2017 i'm aware that on both soundcloud and spotify it is only 24 songs and that is because uh neither on spotify nor soundcloud does jay-z have his music so stubborn as fuck on jay-z's part in my opinion very selfish of you jay uh but i get it you're trying to keep that title boat afloat um but yeah, I just wanted to let that be known. I, I'm aware that there are 24 tracks on a 25 of 2017, or yeah, on a 25 of 2017 album. But, um, and then also on SoundCloud, of course, there are some songs that are not the best quality. So I think the superior versions are the Spotify and Apple playlist. The Apple playlist is probably the best one because it has the entire 25 tracks. Um, and if you guys were unaware, or, or obviously if you guys checked out the playlist on those other platforms other than Apple Music, the intro song is, uh, the story of OJ. And that is one of my favorite songs of the year, of course, one of my favorite J songs in recent memory. And, um, yeah, so that is what's lacking on the other two playlists, if you guys were curious. Um, so give that, give that playlist a a listen if you get a chance, um, and just be safe this weekend, guys, you know, uh, but celebrate life, enjoy life, uh, know that I fucking love you guys, I appreciate each and every one of you, and, um, yeah, you'll be hearing more from me in 2018, love you guys, peace.